0: I'm Alia Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez. You are listening to the Carrera Podcast. Today, our guest is Bella Bucelli. Bella is a young professional currently working in the field of philanthropy at the Packard Foundation in Silicon Valley. She graduated during the pandemic with a bachelor's degree in international relations with an emphasis in global environment and three minors in climate science and policy, human rights, and professional writing and was able to study abroad twice during her undergraduate career to Ecuador and Australia. As a true California native, Bella enjoys the outdoors, including camping, hiking, traveling to the mountains and the beaches, and going out to the city. Her true passions lie within the environment and the climate justice movements, exercise and holistic nutrition, traveling, and advocacy and activism for the environment. Hi, Bella, thanks for joining us today. So. Um, In your bio you shared that you work with the packard foundation in uh, silicon valley can you share with us what that does and what it's all about
1: yeah um so i work at the david and lucille packard foundation um i don't know if people are familiar with hp computers so obviously very popular um so it's hewlett-packard and so there's two foundations one's the hewlett foundation and one is, is the packard foundation and so i work at the packard foundation and so once david and lucille passed away um it was kind of our responsibility at the foundation to um spend out the endowment um and so that's what we do uh each year we spend about five percent of the endowment which is required by law um and so we give away to several issue areas Um, one is reproductive health one is children and families um, one is the environment and the other is local so we're based in the bay area so we fund a lot of uh, San Francisco organizations that focus on, like, the arts, or it can be just a broad range of pretty much anything. Um, but, yeah, those are our four main issue areas, and it's pretty interesting working in philanthropy at such a young age, because um, I consider myself to be a Gen Z, and um, there's not a lot of young people in this field. And I don't think young people think of this as a career, honestly. Um and it's very niche, you know, um, and so it's pretty cool what we're doing. And I think we're doing, we're making a huge difference with our grant making.
2: Yeah. You, you bring up a really good point. Um, a lot of, a lot of young people, well, even, even me when I was young, I didn't, I didn't know that you could work for a nonprofit and get, and get paid for it. Mm -hmm. I have a nonprofit and I don't get paid. (laughs) So, So, um, so can you, can you tell us, you know, what what got you interested in not just not just the nonprofit side, because I was I was looking through your bio and my gosh, you're you've done a ton of stuff. Um, yeah. So so how how did you become interested in in the nonprofit side, but then then also in the environment activism side? Or mm-hmm. if they're intertwined or how they're, did you get interested in all this stuff?
1: <laughs> right. They are kind of like married. For me, because I I actually started interning at nonprofits in college. I think that's okay. your best bet, like as getting an internship. Um, you kind of have to volunteer at first, and you know volunteer at a nonprofit or a startup. And, and so I kind of went the nonprofit route. Um, and so I was very interested in the environment since a young age, honestly. Um, and that's what I studied in college. So I actually interned for this nonprofit called Amazon Watch in Oakland. So they protect the Amazon. Um, yeah. yeah, not Jeff Bezos' Amazon. <laughs> but, um, the yeah, they actually protect uh, the Amazon, which which spans eight countries in South America. So they mainly focus in Ecuador, Peru, and Brazil because that's where that's the three countries that has the most land dedicated for the Amazon. Um, so they are like the main stewards of this forest. Um, so I, it was pretty eye opening. Um, I learned a lot about the nonprofit space. Uh, there's definitely a level of energy there that's not really matched anywhere else. Everyone is just very passionate about the work they're doing. And it kind of like inspired me to kind of go down this route after college. Um, because people uh don't really think that foundations are nonprofits, but they are. Um, and so philanthropy is uh, you know, the nonprofit space. They are 501c3s. Um, so it's pretty cool to kind of go down this route versus the other mm-hmm. end, which is you know, writing grants at nonprofits, but whereas like at the foundation level, we review grants. So it's kind of like the opposite end. Um, but yeah, I was interested in environmental activism. It really started in college, honestly, um, because Greta Thunberg, the young Swedish activist with autism or Asperger's, um, she kind of inspired this global movement. Um, and it started and uh, she started protesting or striking for the climate in 2018. So every Friday she would skip school to strike for the climate. Um, and so this kind of started this global protest. And then I actually traveled to New York in, in September of 2019. And um, I joined thousands of young people. Um, and we shut down Wall Street that day. Uh-huh. So it was just this mass global strike, um, just a bunch of kids skipping school on a Friday. It, it was just so cool to be part of that energy. And um, I, it just inspired me to con- continue down this path. And of course, the pandemic kind of stopped everything, so um, obviously it's not the same anymore. But um, it's slowly opening back up, and people are more comfortable gathering together without masks. So it's it's good to get back into that, you know, energy and that space um, of activism or disruptive activism. So
0: that's that's awesome. Mm-hmm so like i know that striking and then you know gathering and protesting and and this this is a really great way to exercise um your you know freedom of speech um but when we're talking about activism like what actions are going into this activism besides just being disruptive and getting people to talk about it and and these things allow people to notice right to take notice but like what what is the actual action behind it? Like what are some of the things that you're doing to get people to make an actual difference?
1: Yeah, that's obviously the main point, mm-hmm. right? We want people to take action. Um, so I remember I striked in I went to UC Davis, which is near Sacramento. And so I remember traveling to the state capitol with a bunch of college students. And when I when we got there, there's already a bunch of young kids, and it was a school day. And so clearly you know kids missing school is kind of a big deal for this and the fact that this is on their minds like should send a clear message to everyone um but we were there to kind of raise the alarm and kind of get the attention of our politicians our local politicians and i think after that strike they signed something where they were going to do like you know go carbon free by i think 2025 or something like that but i think there is tangible there's tangible changes that happen after these protests um and it really does happen at the local level, um, and it starts with our politicians. Um, they can listen to the kids, and you know, make changes uh, that can really make a local difference. And it does; it can add up at the state and national level too.
2: Yeah, because you you bring up a really good, really good point. And this is one of the things that I would you know share with my high school high school students is that, that you know when they when they really feel that they that they don't have a voice, I'm like, well you need to understand like mm-hmm. and, and and these are my freshman freshman students i would say but you you need to understand in in four more years politicians are going to listen to you um because mm-hmm. you get to vote right um and so start thinking about things that you could do now and start doing them now mm-hmm. um be for the reason that polit you know politicians know you know that well we're going to have to if there's If there's 20,000 kids that are that are freshmen that are that are protesting something Mm -hmm. they're savvy enough the politicians they're savvy enough to understand all right my i'm coming up for re re election in four more years um and like i'm a mayor or something like that how am i going to get these kids to vote for me um So, so they yeah, need to that's,
1: have that foresight, you know, they need to understand, okay, what's yeah. going to happen? What's going to change in four plus years? Like what's going to be the landscape. And so they have to, you know, consider this demographic that's going to start voting. So and, that's a really good point.
2: And I think it's, it's important for, for people like you to go on back to schools and stuff and talk to them be, be, because as you, you know, yeah, as you know, as like, cause like all of us were teenagers once, um we really didn't understand that four years goes by really quickly um and that and so policy can be you know can be started during that time Mm
1: -hmm.
2: um you know and so um and so when you're when you're doing your work um is there are, are there things that you're finding that people have a misunderstanding about um, if it's if it's the work you've you've done or if it's the work that you're doing?
1: Yeah, I I want to start by talking about philanthropy. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously there's huge misunderstandings about the field. I think people think it's a way to maintain wealth. And you know that could that could be true in some sense, but at the same time, we are making a huge difference by funding nonprofits. We're funding people who are boots on the ground doing the work in all sorts of settings. So I honestly think there's a huge impact with philanthropy. And I think there is a huge misunderstanding about how it maintains wealth. And, you know, there's a bunch of loopholes and, you know, tax avoidance, but I think, um, I think it does make a huge difference, uh, regardless. And, you know, we, we fund millions of dollars of uh, nonprofits every year. So I think uh, they really, they need that money to do the necessary work. And we also fund a lot of general operating support. So they these nonprofits can use the funds for anything. So to pay rent or to you know pay their workers. So it's just I think it's important that we're actually taking care of the people doing the work. Um and so I think that's that's why I support philanthropy. But also um with the environment, there's there's obviously a huge misunderstanding between environmental activists and people who are climate deniers. Um So I think people assume, oh, you need to go vegan or you need to do X, Y, and Z to be like an environmentalist. And that's not true. Um, You know, you can take action every day. You don't have to. I'm not vegan. And I consider myself to be an environmentalist. Um, So, you know, I drive a car. Like you, you can be an imperfect environmentalist. You know, I think that's the, that's like the main message that I want to give because, you know, you don't need to do everything or be everything um, to be a perfect environmentalist, because I don't think a perfect environmentalist exists under the system that we're in. Um, that makes it incredibly hard to do anything. Correct. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I really, you have to recognize the system that we're in to, you know, go about your day and just to make actions that are, you know, easy for you to implement.
2: I think that's a, I think that's a very great point that, that people don't recognize is the system that they're, that they're in
1: mm-hmm.
2: um because yeah i would i would love to do a lot of these things within my non profit and i would love to i would love to have have people recognize that um we shouldn't be bringing boats out within you know off of the you know off of our shores and casting nets and dragging blah blah, blah, blah which the which in california we don't do which is great
1: mm-hmm.
2: um but you know i would i would love people just to keep the ocean as pristine as possible um but that's not practical you Mm -hmm. know and and those are you know those are those things that 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 i think you i think you brought up really well is that we need to understand the systems that we're Mm -hmm. that we're in and how how we can make changes within those systems Mm
0: -hmm. yeah what are your top environmental concerns and what can people do about them
1: uh, there's so many. <laughs> but I
0: mean, there's so many
1: impacts just from climate change alone, right? It's just this huge grand issue. Um, I would say, you know, think about your plastic consumption. Like, it's hard going to the store and like, you know, buying stuff that's already, you know, in plastic, but sometimes it's inevitable, you know, so don't give yourself a hard time. But um, I would start bringing your own bags and also bringing your own produce bags. Um, Usually you can find like plastic bags at the grocery store for your produce and you can easily avoid that. Like just bring your own little bags. Um, Yeah, and just start small because it adds up over time. And that's how habits kind of stick, just starting small and being intentional about these habits. Like, you know, whenever you go to the store now, just bring your little bags. Um, Or, you know, people don't really drink water bottles anymore. I think that's been like a huge cultural shift. I think people bring their own reusable bottles. So I think that's kind of like, that's a big deal to me kind of, we're stepping away from that. Um, the plastic bottle water bottle industry and bring our own water bottles. Um, but yeah, just start small. Um, but plastic pollution is a really big problem, especially for our oceans. I'm sure Fred, you're familiar with this issue. (laughs) And, um, yeah, it, it, it affects a lot of, uh, uh marine life in really horrible ways so
0: yeah and even yeah even like um ziploc bags and that I like I have ziploc bags that are reusable like um that are made out of the rubbery stuff I forget what that's called (laughs) right now but yeah that I reuse frequently because that was you know a a small area that I noticed um we tend to you know
2: single use
0: ziplocs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah
1: good Good for you Mm -hmm.
2: And, and I think that's wise because we, people often look at people who are talking about plastics and saying, well, you know, our cars and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, I'm just, I'm just starting small. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> and, you know, it's, it, it doesn't have to be a major shift because you can go on online and find these produce bags that people use. I mean, we, we have, we have those within our, within our home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so there's there's products in which which we can get in order to make kind of those subtle differences, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which are, you know, it doesn't it doesn't have to be a, a major shift, but just, you know, and, and, and maybe we could in, encourage someone else and it just gets those, it, it gets that steamroller going. Um,
1: right, and I actually recommend going to bulk stores That's like a huge thing now, just going to bulk stores and, you know, getting your, your bottles together and kind of just reusing those bottles, but just filling up with product. I think that's going to be like the next big thing. Just people going to these bulk stores and just buying like product instead of buying, you know, a container and the product. I think that's going to be the next thing that eliminates plastic
2: completely. You know, and one of the things that we were, that that I was looking in your in your bio too and 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 I would like to see how how you what you saw as an environmentalist um I saw that that you were able to spend some um study study abroad semesters um which is really cool I think everyone should do that you know Mm -hmm. every every student if they you know if they have that opportunity um what what did you learn about your about yourself traveling and yeah then, a lot of
1: things and then
2: the and 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 then the second question um what what were the differences and similarities that you found between Ecuador um, Ecuador and and Australia
1: yeah um well first of all I want to recognize like studying abroad is you know I'm privileged to go study abroad and not every student gets this opportunity and so I really want to recognize that um But yeah, I went to Australia for three months, um, I think at the end of 2018. So it was called called a quarter abroad because we're on the quarter system. Um, And so I stayed in Sydney and we all got internships. So I interned at this environmental nonprofit called Greening Australia. Mm. So it's a huge national uh, nonprofit, but they had this, their hub in Sydney. Um, And so I got to intern for them um, every week. It was kind of a, it was a unique experience to know about their environmental issues in Australia. Um, And there's a lot of environmental racism there because they have a large aboriginal population and they get left behind, uh, you know, and uh, it's kind of sad to see, but it reminded me of back home in the U S how we, you know, we don't really take indigenous solutions, you know, to heart, or we don't really implement indigenous solutions to the environment because they do have a lot of solutions. Um, they have lived with the land for centuries. So I think we, we have a lot to learn from them. Um, so it was kind of cool to see those similarities um, of environmental racism between the US and Australia. Um, and then I went to Ecuador that same year for a month. Um, that trip definitely changed my life because we actually traveled to the Amazon for two weeks. So I got to be and live with indigenous communities directly in the Amazon. Um, and we got to kind of grow food with them, and they taught us about their struggles on the front lines of environmental racism and development. Um, and that actually stems a lot from, you know, the government of Ecuador. So the government is not on their side, unfortunately. <laughs> um, they're definitely all for opening up the Amazon for, you know, extractivism and development. Um, and it's kind of unfortunate to see, but that happens in the U.S. as well, you know.
0: Yeah, that's um, where the money is, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they it, it's just a really complex issue. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, the and they also accept a lot of multinational corporations um, and they give them permission to go in to the Amazon and just extract, extract, extract. Mm-hmm. So it's just a huge issue. Like I think that it stems from a lot of countries as well. It's, yeah, there's a lot of similarities across uh, states. Um, but yeah. I think those were similar issues across co- the same countries. So the U.S. and Australia and the U.S. and Ecuador. Um, and between Australia and Ecuador, um, this ISOS, um, you know, Australia has, uh, like I said, a huge indigenous population, um, similar to Ecuador. Um, in Ecuador, there's a lot of indigenous people in the Andes Mountains and also in the Amazon. So. There's a huge difference between those communities and the ways they live. Um, But they, they always get left out of environmental solutions, and they don't reap the the benefits of the resources that are extracted from their lands. So yeah, and that happens, I think, across both countries, and especially in the US. So that's something that I kind of, I figured out, um, after traveling to these two places, just the indigenous people are left out. And environmental racism that happens everywhere
2: so you know so i'm i'm fascinated the amazon is is one of the is is on my bucket list i would just love to see it love so how how was it living there within the within within indigenous tribes
1: it was very difficult i'm not gonna lie like i'm completely (laughs) honest um no running water you know the we, there was composting toilets. So, you know, just picture that living for two weeks, kind of no running water, composting toilets, um, no shower, mosquitoes are everywhere. So you're definitely going to be bitten. <laughs> um, and you can't, you, you can't bring spray because I think there's, there was like a rule. Um, they didn't want to introduce like those t- toxic chemicals. Um, right. So it's very, you know, you know, it's very primitive, but I think I learned something from them. I learned you know, it's okay to kind of let go of like your old life and kind of immerse yourself in this new, in this new way of living just for a couple of weeks. weeks. Um, you know, that's their way of life 24 seven, you know, so I can't complain. Um, and I learned that it's really, it's important to actually eat from the land as well, because that's what they do. They eat from the land and they gather enough food um, to feed their entire community and um, it's sustainable. So. Um, I really, I learned that from them just to appreciate and live from the land and honor the land.
2: What a great experience. I mean, it's, you know, and, and and when you, when you came back, did you have time to process? Did you have time to go through like a reflection process? And if, and if so, what, what, what was that like for you?
1: Yeah, I honestly didn't have time to process because I, I did summer sessions, so I was straight into summer classes and, but I think, um, the group that I went with, a couple of us are still in communication and we always kind of bring up, um, or we just, we share articles about what's going on in the Ecuadorian Amazon. And we kind of keep in touch that way. So it's pretty cool. It kind of, it really had a strong impact on us, honestly. Um, and so I think, you know, as far as like, you know, processing what happened and just you know, I think it's just staying in touch with the group has really helped me process everything. And just, you know, it's kind of interesting how people experience the Amazon in different ways. I loved it, but some people didn't like it, and uh, it's it's hard. You know, coming from a first world country like America, like you know, we're used to running water and all these nice things. And um, people just, some people from my group just did not like giving that up. So. Um, I enjoyed it, but some people didn't. And so it was, it was interesting to kind of share experiences that way.
0: Sure. Now you are studying for the LSAT and what's your plan? <laughs>
2: You're crazy. I
0: know it's
1: been, it's been a struggle. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> I, I hope to, you know, pursue environmental law. I think that's my calling. Um, and you know after going through these experiences i definitely want to be an advocate for people in the planet so i think that's my my passion is pursuing environmental law and just you know surviving law school and (laughs) meeting people and you know hopefully becoming a lawyer that'd be a dream
0: yeah it seems like you've got um a lot of the really rich experiences that um maybe not not a lot of other people would have coming into this so that should help you know inform you and mm-hmm. I, you know, take your time with that decision, right? So you make sure that you really know what you want and yeah, I think that's I think it's great. Thank you so much. Yeah.
2: You know, and, and since if if the listeners don't 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 know, I've I've known you for many many years. I've known your family since well, you
1: know the you, baby practically. Right?
2: Yeah, yeah, because yeah. because you were in preschool or in day in daycare yeah with my with uh Vanessa with with one of my daughters yeah um so first of all it's it's great seeing how you know everything has progressed and stuff but what would you tell high school student Bella you know if you were if you were able to go on back and have a chat with her what would you what would you talk to her about and about 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 the future about things to do things not to do and and for what I'm getting at is that um, at times we, 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 we do have high school students listening to our, to our podcast. So what would you tell high school Bella?
1: Ooh, a lot of things. <laughs> but I think, <laughs> you know, obviously we can't go back and change the past. Like that's just right. part of, that's the hard part of life. Um, I would say pick a college, you know, first of all, the fact that you're going to college, you should be thankful. You know, your parents are going to support you. Be thankful and definitely pursue that opportunity. You know, if you have the chance to go to college, I would definitely go. Um choose a college that makes you happy. Um and, you know, focus on just a few things. Don't it's it's good to like, you know, want to care about a bunch of issues and dive into a whole bunch of, you know, clubs or whatnot, but um just, you know, consider your bandwidth and your time and just focus on a few things and you know just keep learning and um and also in high school like focus in school but don't take everything too seriously um definitely you know make friends with your teachers uh keep in touch with your high school friends um and yeah get enough sleep you know drink water like just start taking start taking care of your health because that's super important especially at that age like it's important to start really being serious about your health and what you're eating and everything that you're drinking. So yeah, consider that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if high school students wanted to get involved in philanthropy and work with the environment, where would you tell them to start?
1: Um, I would talk to them about uh, philanthropy, just letting them know about the field and that it's a possible career path if you want to go down that route. Um, And it's really hard to break into this industry with no experience. So I would recommend just volunteering for a nonprofit or volunteering at a foundation. Um, you know, foundations need a lot of admin administrative work. So definitely start there if you're interested. Um, and then they usually offer you a position or they want to, they usually do something like that if you're really interested. Um, but definitely start volunteering. That's your best bet. If you have no experience, um, just volunteer at your favorite local nonprofit. Um, you know, and that's how, you get connections and experience,
2: Bella. This is this has been really great for for myself. Just listening to to everything because you've uh, you know spurred a lot of a lot of things within 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 myself. You know, having a you know having a nonprofit working with you know still working with high school students. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things in which we um, in which we do. For for every guest is is ask them what their call to action is, and so, you know, what what would be the one thing in which in which you would wish to leave with with um, everybody listening? So, what's your call to action? Yes, I've thought
1: about this. Um... I do want to go back to your other question about what would I tell my high school self real quick. Um, Definitely. I definitely reached out to someone. um, I think it was the superintendent. I said, can we have an AP environmental science class? He said, there won't be a class by the time you graduate, but you planted a seed. Like, so I kind of like planted that thought in him. Like maybe this could be a possibility. So if you're a high school student, definitely reach out to your superiors or, reach out to your teachers and see what's possible, you know, try to make change. Like, you know, if I sent that email to him and that maybe started a momentum for him or just inspired him to maybe bring that class to the campus, you know, maybe another student can make a similar change happen, you know, you're, I know you're just one person, but you can make a huge difference. Um, so I definitely want to go back to that. And I thought that was kind of interesting for this topic because we're talking about the environment and you know i was definitely very passionate about it since high school um and but i think my call to action would be to get out of your comfort zone um and do the damn thing <laughs> that's I love that's it. just something. that's something that uh, i recommend all people to do mm-hmm. you know we're all going to be judged for what we're doing yep. so just do it anyway um and who cares like seriously who cares mm-hmm. so Do the
2: damn thing if it really makes you happy. I like that.
0: (laughs) Bella, thanks for your time today and thanks for all your work with the environment. You're really making a difference and it's, you know, every little bit helps, right? I One of our young people that we had on our podcast probably more than a year ago, but they said if everybody does a little, right, it makes a lot of a difference instead of Mm -hmm. expecting a few people to do a lot. So um your your work is definitely making an impact and you're inspiring our others so we appreciate that so thank you for your time
1: thank you malia and thank you so much fred i really appreciate it